Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. We're a church in Gahanna, Ohio that exists to help people find and follow God. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you discover how much God really loves you. Well, good morning. My name is Joel. I get to be the pastor here, and welcome to Three Creeks Church. If you're new here, checking things out, uh, visiting family from out of town, what's up? Welcome. We're, we're especially glad that you're here. We're in week two of a series that we are calling Kings and Kingdoms, and I'm excited to jump in with it, uh, into it today with you. I got a text from my wife earlier this week. It was, uh, Joel, we need to talk. I thought, oh boy, what's this one going to be about? She goes, it's about Cooper, our seven-year-old daughter. I said, well, what are we going to need to talk about Cooper for? And she said, well, Cooper and I had a conversation, and it's about boys. I thought, oh, we are entering into the new phase. And so uh, I, I talked with my wife a little bit, and then I had a chance to talk to Cooper. We were driving around a little bit, and I said, I said, Coops, I heard you had a chat with mom about boys. She said, yeah, we were talking about boys. I said, well, what are you talking about? And she said, well, they like me. And I said, okay, well, what do you mean by like me? And she said, well, dad, there's two kinds of like. There's the kind of like where like you like somebody as a friend and then you like somebody like a boyfriend or girlfriend. I said, well, which like are we talking about? She goes, they like me as a girlfriend. And then she said, and dad, it just feels like everybody in my class wants to talk about boyfriends and girlfriends, and I don't want to talk about it, but I just, I want to be included. And I thought, oh, me too, Coops. Me too. Man, at, at, the, at the core of all of us is this desire to be included, to not be excluded or different or set apart or unique, just fit in. There's something inside of us that wants to just kind of do what everybody else is doing. Were you here last week? We talked about this. We talked about this idea that we're going to kind of make our decisions with the filter. What's everybody else doing? Let's do that. It's a, it's a bad filter through which to make decisions in life. And it's down and to the right if that's the way you're going to go about things. And I was just driving around with Cooper trying to install in her this idea once again that we don't just do things because everybody else does them. It's a, it's a bad way to make decisions and live your life. We, we, we talked about this last week, and I need to say it before I get into today's message too. First and second Kings is a divinely inspired picture of what happens when we reject God, when we don't go God's way, when we do things our way, when we look at the world and say, let's do it that way. This is what happens. We're going to find out today that in 1 Kings chapter 1, it looks pretty good. Israel's on top. The kingdom is strong. The tribes are united. And they begin once again to start looking around and let's just kind of do what everybody else is doing. And it just, it, the, the, tra the trajectory is tragic, both for this kingdom and, you know, for many of our lives. We can point back to moments where we, we made a bad decision because it was what everybody else was doing. I shared this last week, and I want to make sure that I reemphasize it today, and, and I'll try to do it every week. It's that I'm really glad that the book of Second Kings, the last chapter of Second Kings, or yeah, Second Kings, isn't the end of the Bible. 
that the Bible keeps going. And, you know, the whole time we're in this series, we're going to have this question in our hearts, is there ever going to be a good king? Is there ever going to be somebody that we want to follow? And spoiler alert, he's coming in the Bible. In the New Testament, we see that God sends Jesus to be the promised king. In the line of King David, by the way, who brings salvation and blessing to the world. He went to heaven. He's there now, and he's coming back again, and he will be the king, and you will want to be following him at that time. We're looking at 1 Kings chapters 1 through 4 today. I'm obviously not going to be able to read every verse from all four chapters, so I I hope perhaps that you had a chance to read it leading into this week. We're going to find that it's going pretty good at the beginning. David has united the tribes. The kingdom is bigger than ever. David has been reigning for 40 years. And despite some stiff opposition, David has successfully passed the throne onto his son, King Solomon. Maybe you recognize his name. The people were cheering all through the land. Long live King Solomon. Man, they loved David. David's their favorite king. And if this is going to be David's son, and this is the one that David approves of, well then, long live King Solomon. This is what it says in 1 Kings Chapter 1, verse 39 and 40. It says, Then they, all the people, sounded the trumpet, and all the people shouted, Long live King Solomon! And all the people went up after him, playing pipes and rejoicing greatly, so that the ground shook with the sound. This is the first mention of subwoofers in the Bible. David's dying words to Solomon are these. He says, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Everybody dies, Solomon. So be strong, Solomon. Act like a man. What's he going to write next? What what does it mean to act like a man? Eat your steak rare. Get power and wealth and a 401k. No, he says, observe what the Lord your God requires and walk in obedience to him. Act like a man, Solomon. And when David finally died at the end of chapter 1, this is what it says about Solomon. Solomon sat on the throne of his father David, and his rule was firmly established. Everybody's on board with Solomon being the king. All is well. It says that in the land, they didn't lack anything. They didn't lack anything. The kingdom expands. Some of his political rivals are eliminated They turn in one another. He has plans to build a permanent temple for God. He does make one very questionable decision. He he marries Pharaoh's daughter, which that is not the person that Israel wants to make allegiances with. But Solomon, for political reasons, marries Pharaoh's daughter. And we're not going to see the repercussions today But next week when we look at Solomon's life as it continues, we see that his marriage to Pharaoh's daughter is a symptom of a heart that is divided and isn't fully given to the Lord. But we see Israel on top. There's a shalom. There's a peace over the land. Finally, rest from the enemies. And then, and you might be familiar with this part of the story, it's probably one of the more well-known facts about Solomon, the Lord visits Solomon in a dream. It says in uh, 
I think it's in 1 Kings chapter 3, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, ask for whatever you want to give, ask for whatever you want me to give you. That is quite the dream. You remember the first time you saw Aladdin? You remember that? When he goes into the sand lion's mouth and he's in there and then it caves in and he's down in there and he rubs the lamp and the genie comes out. Remember watching this as a kid? Three wishes. And you're just like, man, what's he going to wish for? I remember it was kind of a no-brainer for me. The number one wish for sure was a limousine with a hot tub in the back. And I've kept that secret for 26 years. And now in, in revealing it to you, it can no longer happen for me. You guys know the rules about revealing your wishes. God visits Solomon in a dream and says, Ask for whatever you want, and I will give it to you. What came to Solomon's mind first? I don't know. But his answer was a good one. It's four verses long, but they're all pretty important. See if you can stay with me through all four. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son. He's talking about himself to sit on this throne this very day. Now, my Lord, you have made your servant king. He's talking about himself again. He refers to him as God's servant. You've, you've made your servant king in place of my father David. But I'm only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. That's not usually what a king says. A king is usually overconfident but he's humble. Your servant here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So, so here it is. Here's his answer. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Solomon asks for a discerning heart Here's a few other translations of this same text. An understanding mind, a listening heart, a hearing heart. In other words, Solomon asks for wisdom, which is far deeper than intellect or knowledge. He doesn't ask for wealth or health or prosperity or the death of his enemies. He asks for wisdom. And God gives it to him. You see... Because of the way Solomon answered it and what Solomon begins to do with this wisdom that God gives him, we can see that Solomon is not asking for the ability to get his way. He's asking God for the ability to see God's will and to bring his plan to fruition, to know God's purposes for God's people and bring them to be. And God, because he, he looks down and he says, a discerning heart, it's almost... I don't know if God can be surprised, but man, it would have surprised me. A discerning heart, by all means, Solomon, I will give you wisdom. And because you didn't ask for wealth, and because you didn't ask for prosperity, because you didn't ask for blessing or money, I'm going to give that to you too, on top of the wisdom that you have asked for. Listen to, listen to what happens to Solomon. Listen to the 
ways that Solomon is able to use this new skill to, to rule well, Solomon initiates a new kind of government for the nation. He appoints governors over different areas of the country. He installs a new tax system for the people. He unravels judicial riddles like the one that Eichen read a little bit earlier. He was politically savvy. He was a poet who wrote thousands of songs and proverbs. He was an expert, catch this, in the sciences. He knew a lot about trees, animals, birds, fish, and reptiles. He's a BC combo of Shakespeare and Steve Irwin. And people are coming from all over the world to hear Solomon, to see Solomon, because this wisdom is so profound. 1 Kings 4.29 summarizes it with one verse. It says, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. God delighted, this is important, God delighted in giving Solomon this gift of wisdom. What would you have asked for if you had a dream? What, if you didn't know this story, you know, what would come to mind first? God says, hey, what do you want? Your call, one wish. What would it have been? Well, regardless of whether or not it would have been wisdom, I'm going to make an assumption about you that if wisdom was on the table, if wisdom was offered to you from God, I think you'd take it. I think it would be very unwise for you not to take it. I think we would all raise our hands and say, if asked the question, could you use a little bit more wisdom? I think we'd all say, yes. Because right now in the world that we're living in, it's, it's a little bit more challenging, it feels like, to know what is right or wrong, what is true, what is not. And I, for one, have some decisions to make that I could use a little wisdom on. Morgan and I are walking through, what are we going to do with the kids in school? A number of different options, pros and cons on both sides. What are we going to do? We don't know what to do. And, and, and I'm sure we could, we could go around the room and pass the microphone and, and I could say, hey, is there something, is there a decision, a situation going on in your life where you feel like you could use a little bit of wisdom? And there'd be a lot in the room. Should I marry this person? Should I break up with this person? Should I stay in my career that I've been working towards or should I pull the plug? It's not giving me life. I should maybe switch directions. Should I change things up? Should I stay home with the kids? Should I go back to work full-time, part-time? What should we do with our parents? What would be the best for them? I, I've got a kid going through some stuff. Should I say something? Should I bite my tongue? Should I wait my turn? This doctor or that doctor, they're saying different things. The list goes on and on of situations, questions that we would have that we would go, we could use a little bit more wisdom. God has never visited me in a dream and given me this option. And I don't know if he has done that for you, but in case he hasn't, I wanted to give you some good news. God would love it. He would love it. 
if we would ask Him for wisdom because He he would be happy to give it to us. I know that sounds like a really simple thing, but it's amazing to me how many times I find myself in a situation where I kind of don't know what to do and I don't go to God immediately and ask Him to give me wisdom for that decision. James, the half-brother of Jesus, 900 years after Solomon was living on the earth, wrote to a group of Christians who were trying to figure things out and they too would have raised their hand and said, we need some wisdom on how to navigate what we're going through. And so James just writes them. He, he, he writes a sentence as simple as I just gave you one. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, this is in James chapter one, if any of you lack wisdom, I've got to raise my hand for that one. I lack wisdom. You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. You should just ask God. He's really generous. He's not stingy with wisdom. And he gives it without finding fault. Do you remember, I mentioned this briefly, and if you read 1 Kings 1, 2, 3, and 4, you may have noticed it, that when Solomon asks for wisdom, do you know how the Lord responds? The first verse in response says this, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this, almost as if it made God happy to give away wisdom. Sometimes you read the Old Testament, I don't know, I think you'll be on the same page here with me. Sometimes I read the Old Testament and God can be described, it's almost like a caricature of a knee-jerk, angry God who takes pleasure in smiting people. It's confusing if you just read a story here, a story there. But if you look at the whole of Scripture and you look specifically at this story, you see God's responsiveness to prayer, eagerness to bless those who seek Him and walk in His ways. He, he's excited. It makes Him happy to answer these kinds of requests. And He wants to lead us far more than we want to be led. You know what I mean? He is way more excited about leading us than we are in being led by him. So there's two primary channels through which God will answer that request. If you, if you would describe yourself today, right now, as going, man, I, I am facing something. I don't know what to do. I don't know whether to go right or left on this. And, and, and going out of here, you're going to pray and you're going to ask God. You're going to trust that he's actually going to help you know what to do. Here are the two primary ways that God is going to answer that request. Here's the first one. It won't surprise you, but it's important that we talk about it. He gives us wisdom through His Word. God's Word is wisdom. It's not, it's not an old collection of stories that used to apply. This is 2024 wisdom for me and for you. The Bible describes itself as living and active. Proverbs 2, 6 says, For the Lord, give, Lord gives wisdom, from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. Let me give you an example of how this happens. It happened to me this week, where the Lord gave me wisdom through His Word. I, uh, I, we started a church six, week, six years ago. If there's one thing that I have learned about the way church kind of moves through the calendar year, it's that Nobody in Ohio has anything to do in January or February. We're all just 
really cold and really bored, and so people come to church more often than other times of the year. January, February are the, are the highest attended months of the year at church. And so we kind of end Christmas and our staff's getting back into staff meeting, ready to kind of capitalize January, February. Everybody's going to be here. The services have to be perfect. The marketing has to be ready to roll. We got to be ready to welcome the guests. And I found myself entering into this season with a growing amount of anxiety in my spirit, in my heart. It's not how God wants me to feel. It's how I felt. When I realized, as I reflected on this a little bit, um, I, I just want to make this distinction that it's not bad for us to want to have great services and have the marketing ready to roll and capitalize and be hospitable to new people. Of course, that's not bad, but, but it gets a little sideways for me and my heart. I'm just being honest for a second. It gets a little sideways. The anxiety begins to grow when I am interested in having a louder voice or a bigger platform in a in a self-exalting way. I know that you didn't want to hear that, but this is kind of how, how I'm wired. It's a temptation of mine to, to want to feel successful. You know what I mean? When, when, I'm, when I'm focused on our vision, when, 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 I'm, when I re, am reminded that our mission here is to help people to find and follow God, when God brings my heart back to that, I don't really feel anxious at all. I trust him. I cast my anxiety on him. It's what I'm supposed to do. He can handle it. But if I make it about me and I make it about feeling successful, oh, man, the anxiety begins to grow. Tuesday this week, I have a friend send me a, a podcast, a sermon that he had listened to. He had no idea I was feeling this way. He said, hey, man, this is a good one. His name's Tyler Gorham, by the way. He goes here. Many of you know him. He said, hey, this is a good one. Tune in. So I did. I just clicked it on my way to work. I'm just listening to it on the way. Pastor reads a verse of scripture that I've probably read a thousand times. Wasn't brand new to me, wasn't a new idea, but God timely knew that I needed to hear it on this day. This is, this is the verse that the guy was talking about for the first 15 minutes of the message. It was written to Christians who wanted to know, how am I, how am I supposed to live well? How am I supposed to please God? This is what it says. It says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. And I sat in my car with my hand on the steering wheel, and that hit me. I've heard it a thousand times. It hit me in a new way, in a, in a way that was living and active. And I, I just felt God saying, hey, Joel, I don't think this has really been your ambition for the last couple of weeks. It feels like maybe, Joel, your ambition has been to lead a loud life, a noticeable life, a life that you think is impressive or appears successful. That's the life you're trying to live right now, Joel. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. And I just sat there. I pushed pause on the podcast. And I just sat there and began to let, let the Lord just transform me on the inside. And truly, I just, I just changed. Before I even got out of the car, the Lord shifted my heart. And I said, today I'm going to make my aim to lead a quiet life. I'm not going to get wrapped up in whether or not I feel successful today. I'm just going to lead a quiet life. And it's amazing. The weight, the anxiety just begins to lift off of me. God gave me wisdom through his word to live an anxiety-free life. 
And it's not, a lot of times people, you know, if I say that, I don't know, I guess there's this temptation to go, there's this temptation to go try to find a page of this that you haven't read before. Oh, a secret spot. I didn't know there was that wisdom in here. A lot of times, man, for me, it's, it's the stuff that I've read before that God uses in a timely way to, to remind me. In fact, one of the things that Jesus said, this is interesting, one of the things that Jesus said, he says, everybody who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. Everybody who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is wise. I didn't, I didn't really need God to reveal something new to me in a supernatural way, but I just simply had to read what he already said, and I'm grateful that Tyler sent me that. Which leads me to the second channel that God gives us wisdom. He gives us wisdom through good friends. Through good friends. I have two Proverbs that I'd like to read to you and and two important points that I'd like to draw from them. Both of them, coincidentally, are written by King Solomon. Proverbs 15, 22. It says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. And here's the second one. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. It's wise to surround yourself with friends, advisors, counselors, listen to feedback, but you've also got to make sure that they're good ones. You've got to make sure that they're good ones because worse than having no friends is having bad friends. Worse than having no friends giving you their advice is having bad friends giving you their advice. And as I thought about this this week, I thought, well, certainly everybody's going to agree that it'd be good to get counsel. Certainly everybody's going to say, yeah, it's not, not a bad idea to bounce things off of people who have maybe been there before. We're all going to think that's a pretty good idea. But it's important for us to acknowledge that having no friends would be better than having bad friends. If, if your friends, if the counsel that you get about important things in your life contradicts God's word, you got to get new friends. If, if your friends tell you that your sin isn't that big of a deal, you got to get some new friends. If your friends always agree with you, you got to get some new friends. If the advice that your friends give you every time, the, the, the first instinct is they tell you to fight, you got to get some new friends. Walk with the wise and become wise. When, uh, when we were, Morgan and I were trying to figure out whether or not we were going to plant our church, this church, I, I've said this before, I didn't want to do this, I didn't plan on doing this, I didn't go to college for this. We were working at a summer camp, and God put it on my heart to start a new church. And at the time, I argued with God for months because I didn't want to start a new church, I didn't want to do this. And Morgan and I got to the point where we felt like, man, we really had a decision to make. Are we going to stick it out in what we're doing? Are we going to stay the course or do, are we going to change things up? And do we really feel like God wants us to do this? So Morgan and I are talking, Morgan and I are praying. This has been modeled for me and, and I'm, I'm just passing it on to you. When you have a big decision to make, you got to ask some people what they think too. 
So I went, out, I went ahead. I, uh, I felt like this was a really big decision. This is probably more people than you need to ask. But for me, for this decision specifically, I had 12 people that I said, I want to I hear what they think. And I, I wrote them all or I called them all. I said, hey, I just need 30 minutes of your time. I need to run an idea by you. I need you to be honest with me. I just need, I need some wisdom. I need to hear what you think. And so over the course of maybe a month, maybe six weeks, I began to have these FaceTime phone calls with people and just saying, hey, I feel like God wants me to do this, but I don't know. And I need you to give me some feedback. Will you please be honest with me? Don't tell me what I need to hear. And this is, this is important. As I picked these 12 people, I thought, man, these people need to love and know God first. And they need to love and know me too. But they need to love and know God. These are not people that are just going to tell me what I want to hear. They ask me hard questions. They ask me hard questions. They dig a little bit. And, and I can think of maybe a half dozen times over the course of my life where I feel like I've had a big decision to make. And I go to good friends who love God first, but they love me too. And man, the collective advice of those people, it brings clarity. It brings wisdom. It brings wisdom. And oftentimes, God will answer, that, answer our prayer for wisdom by sending good friends to tell us. All right, here's one final note and something every one of us ought to be on the same page about. Wisdom that God gives. Let, let's say we go out of here, we pray, and we open up our Bibles and we go, no way. That spoke directly into what I was going through. Or, or we go out of here and we, we say, you know what, I got a big decision to make. And we go to three or four or five friends and, and they all give us their take. And it's wisdom. Wisdom that God gives is only as good as what we do with it. Wisdom God gives is only as good as what we do with it. Wisdom, if given to us by God, ignored, is by definition foolishness. We will be fools to ignore wisdom. I think most of us are in agreement that we could use more wisdom, but an important question to answer before we get it, before we go pray, before we go ask friends, before we go to the Bible, let's see if we can answer this question first. Will I do what God's word and good friends tell me to do? Answer it now. Don't wait for the advice. Don't decide later. Will I do what God's word and good friends tell me to do? Here's another way to ask that question. Am I willing to make changes in my life if that's what wisdom calls me to? Am I willing to make changes in my life if that's what wisdom calls me to? Some of us in here are facing a decision. Right or left, go or stay, buy or sell. You're, you're just going through something, you're not sure what to do, and you need God to give you wisdom. But the this is also true. Some of us are going through something. You got a decision to make. And you have all the wisdom you need right now to already make that decision. You're just dragging your feet. God has already given you wisdom. You already know the right thing to do. Sometimes doing the wise thing is not complicated, but it is hard. 
And so on top of wisdom, on top of asking God for it, we also probably need to ask for courage too. He's generous with that one too. So, so I, I guess I'm just asking which one Solomon is going to get older. Next week, you're going to find out. Solomon's going to get older. Here's what's going to happen. He's going to have the same amount of wisdom and he's going to have a lot less obedience and the blessing of God is going to just leave his life. You're going to be really confused about how to feel about Solomon. He's got the same amount of wisdom. Wisdom is only as good as what we do with it. And so do you need wisdom or do you just need courage? It's, it's, sometimes this conversation is less about finding this elusive piece of wisdom and, and more about living wisely because God has given us his spirit oftentimes to already know what to do. So, so let me leave you with this. Two prayers. You get to pick. Maybe you need both, but you definitely need one or the other. Here's the two prayers I want to leave you with. I'm going to give you two minutes to think about this. Number one, God, give me wisdom because I don't know what to do. Somebody in the room is right there. You just don't know what to do. You don't know which decision to make. And that's the prayer that you could pray. Here's the second one. God, give me courage. I know what I should do. It's not complicated, but it's hard. And I know what I'm supposed to do. I've been dragging my feet. So which one of those, wisdom or courage, is the one that you need the most? Maybe you need both. But I'm willing to bet we all need at least one of those. So will you take 90 seconds, two minutes, spend time with God. Our prayer team is in the back. I can see them right there. They'd love the chance to pray with you if you'd like to pray with somebody. So take two minutes, and I'll come back here and lead us into the next thing. listening to the Three Creeks Church podcast. To find out more about our church, to give online or to attend a service, visit threecreekschurch.com.